those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verdi. Meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level. Frank Cravello here. Glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us for our mid-season review. To uh, help me, as always, is the uh, co-host of the Serie A Sit-Down, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we, how are we doing tonight? We're, we're good. We seem to be going through all of these technical issues, trying to get podcasts going. And uh, the people the, the people out there, the masses are getting disgruntled. Uh, they want their city I sit down and they want it now. Um, I don't blame them. Well, but you had it without me last time and you broke in with that NWO music again. So um, See what happens when you leave? I just take control and get crazy. Yeah. What, what, I mean, but, okay, so what NWO uh, uh, wrestler would you be or who was your favorite back in that back in that era uh the correct answer would be scott hall scott hall yeah that would be uh uh that would have been what uh, i would have gone with uh hall and nash were were definitely favorites i got to meet them um uh they did uh about 20 years ago when they did a clash of the champions oh, uh, nice. the old clash of the champions in the wcw uh when they came came to milwaukee here and then they had a the, the the hotel right across the street from the arena, they were all there drinking, and my, my buddy and I just went there and uh, just uh, just cool as could be, just said, "Hey, come have a beer with us," kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, true story. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Um, so uh, as I mentioned, uh, we have our midseason review of the 2017-2018 Serie A season, and we do have a couple of guests uh, joining us. Uh, I will start with uh, the co-editor of the Gentleman Ultra, uh, staff writer for Football Whispers. He's also submitted content for 442, you max it among others, uh, and is making his fourth appearance on the Serie A sit-down, Blair Newman. Ciao, Blair. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. How are you doing, Blair? <laughs> oh, good. Um, how's that sound, by the way? Because I've just taken out my headphones. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, coming in, fa- coming in fantastic. Oh, coming in fantastic. Oh, how was your how was your Christmas? It's cracking. It was it was mainly uh, eating chocolate. Um, nothing really fits me perfectly anymore. So I've uh, yeah I've put myself in for a hellish January as, as ever. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I I, I dread the uh, elliptical uh, machines and the treadmills uh, <laughs> during the month of January. I've got to I've got to drop a few lbs myself. So yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've indulged a little too much this year. Um, also joining us. Uh, He's making his unprecedented sixth appearance, uh, semprebody.weebly.com, uh, and uh, I believe also doing a little bit of contributing for the Gentleman Ultra, Mark Neal. Ciao, Mark. Ciao, how are you? Oh, it's great to have you on as always. You are doing a little, uh, you did do a little bit, I think I saw for the Gentleman Ultra. Um, you did a piece recently, I think, on uh, as, as kind of a primer for the uh, uh, Juventus Intercam a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm back in the fold after a little. Obviously, we had a break as the site was um, revamped. But yes, back in the fold, working on a couple of pieces. Hope to be open in a couple of weeks. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, that's that's good. And looking forward to reading that. And uh, uh, Blair, the gentleman ultra in general, uh, has had a little bit of a revamp. Uh, before we uh, dive into uh, all things uh, midseason, said, yeah, why don't you give us uh, a little bit of a briefing on? Uh, uh, what's new at the Gentleman Ultra and what people can look forward to if they uh, go click on your site. Yeah, so we, we, we've got a new look. Um, so we announced our return with Authors 15, which is is quite a lot of fun. Mark was involved with that. And uh, we had a lot of our, from our most 
consistent and, and best authors um, all in sort of the same week, and it went down quite well. Um, in terms of the content, it, it's pretty much as as you were. I mean, we, we just want to keep putting out stuff that's unique. I know there's a lot of Italian football news sites out there that do sort of roughly the same sort of thing. So you, with German Ultra, you get something different always. You know, it's, it's either a historic piece on a player that you may not have heard of, or it's a, an analytical piece or something on the future of, of Italian football or, or something on the fans. So that's the sort of stuff you're going to get. And the only difference is you're going to get it in a, a much more exciting and much more engaging format than it, than it was before. All right. Uh, looking forward to uh, getting caught up and doing a little bit of, bit of binge reading myself. How about you, Richard? Oh, yeah. I already uh, already started on it, so it's going to be a, a nice uh, weekend, long weekend that I can a uh, chance to read all of. I'm start this weekend. Actually, I'm starting tonight because uh, I have a nice four-day weekend through Tuesday off. So it gives you an excuse to have to keep you from any responsibilities with that dog of yours, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of which, he's just staring at me right now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There you go, and you can just tell the missus you're reading the Gentleman Ultra, and it's going to have to wait, right? That's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> and she'll have to do it. Let me know how that works, by the way. <laughs> so, if I need a place to stay, I might be calling you. I'll give you the I might make. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work at all. All right. Well, uh, uh, Mark and Blair were uh, part of our uh, uh, cracking preview pod that we did way back in August and uh, have joined us for the midseason review. Laura Bradburn, uh, you know, doing a little bit of holiday right now, could not join us. Uh, so we'll get to make fun of some of her preseason predictions since she's not here, um, among some other things. But that preview pod was, 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 was good. We got some things right. We got some things wrong. Um, you know, Richard and I can pat ourselves on the back for uh, being correct on the sack race. We thought uh, Rastelli would be the first one to go. He was. Indeed. And I think by mere hours he uh, uh, he won that sack race or he or had the dubious distinction of being the uh, first manager uh, to be sacked in uh, Serie A. Uh, but Blair, can you think back on uh, some of your preseason predictions? Uh, you know, what are you, uh, what are you, what are you, what are you proud of and uh, where do you think you whiffed? Uh, I'm not entirely sure I'm proud of any of my predictions. I know I got <laughs> absolutely wrong was uh, Di Francesco at Roma. I must admit he surprised me quite a lot because after Spalletti left and some of their players were being moved on in the summer, I thought this is going to be a disaster. But he's really steadied the ship. And you could argue they're, they're just as strong, if not stronger, than they were last season because not only are they in this title race, which is more competitive than it has been for years, but they're also in the Champions League second round as group winners in probably one of the toughest groups in, in, in the Champions League this season. So he's done a really good job there. And I, I predicted that he was going to be a bit of a, well, this season at least was going to be a bit of a failure and had a lot of question marks about Di Francesco Monkey. So they've proven me well and truly wrong. Um, another mm-hmm. player that was a bit of a gamble, I thought, was uh, Gaudino at Chievo. I thought he was going to come good. And, uh, and it turns out that he, he's, I think he's played about five minutes. So still waiting on him to, to prove me right, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, these days the way Kiebo are playing, you could probably, you know, you could probably pull people off the street, uh, and they could do a better job. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mark, how about you? What are you, what are you proud of, and uh, and 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 what did you miss? I'm proud of absolutely nothing. I think I got everything wrong. <laughs> I think this is, I think this is going to be a recurring theme. <laughs> <laughs> I think I predicted Bologna and uh, Donadoni to be the first man to sack as they sit proudly in the mid-table, yep. sticking two fingers yep. up at me. <laughs> yep. And 
Yeah, I think I was a complete disaster, to be honest with you. So why you keep bought me back, I do not know. You were you were you were Donadoni's motivation. <laughs> so. Yeah. He obviously heard the part and thought, I ain't having none of that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How about you, Richard? Um, well, we were all dead wrong on Milan. They kind of disappointed all of yeah. us. Uh, that ruined everything, all the picks. Um, but I, I was, I was, I was pretty right on uh, Spalletti and Inter being title contenders thus far, and they are right now. Um, Napoli are still holding the lead, which you know we kind of most of us all predicted. Um, Sampdoria during the Europe Europa League place right now, which is kind of what Blair and I were predicting uh, beginning the season. Uh, but also, I got Christian Buki completely wrong. Um, what else? Um, Benevento dead wrong on that. <laughs> Thought they would be uh, be able to survive. They won't even get two points. It looks like it can still happen, Richard. It, it can could, still happen. It could still yeah. happen. But as of right now, it, it won't. It's not going to happen right now. But um, and then well, you've been losing their first match at home. So they get Milan again in April. So they're, oh, there uh, you go. There you go. They've got that. They've got that to look forward to. So <laughs> uh, as for myself, yeah, there, there's quite a few things. Um, I got just about everything wrong. Yeah, Milan, oops. Um, we, we thought there. But I think the one thing that we could all agree on, I mean, we all, um, you know, two of us predicted Juventus to win the title and two of us predicted Napoli to win the title. And right now, uh, one Napoli, Juventus two. And, uh, you know, with Inter, with their uh, recent slip-ups here, uh, one thing that we can all pat ourselves on the back on is that this is turning – this is slowly evolving into the two horse race that we thought it would be. Yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I think some other ones were, uh, some other ones where I whiffed being wrong about Lazio, uh, yeah, me too, being, me wrong too. About, being wrong about Simone and Zaghi, very, uh, pleasantly surprised with the work that he's done. Um, and, uh, you know, Hellas Verona certainly uh, expected a lot more from them, uh, with some of the experience that they have in their team. But, uh, yeah, yeah. They do. They do have. They do have a chance to get out of it. They're on 13 points. Uh, Spall, Crotone each on 15. Cagliari on 17. So they're not. Uh, they're not completely out of this. Uh, you know, out of this yet. They're not. Certainly, certainly not in the predicament that uh, that Benevento is in. So. Um, so those were our thoughts as far as you know, we got a lot of things wrong, but that's just because. I mean, when you're talking about a season that spans nearly nine months. You know, it's so hard to sit there in August and say, yes, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. I will say, I, I will pat myself on the back, and I did not say this on the preview pod. I did say this a couple of weeks later when we uh, put Roma in the spotlight that uh, I thought I thought Roma could qualify uh, out of the group in the uh, Champions League, and I thought they could do it at the expense of Atletico Madrid, and lo and behold, that actually happened. So Yes, you did. You uh, got that right. Yep. So, uh the uh, so that's that that's one I'll take credit for. Unfortunately, I don't know if we can count it because we're just talking about strictly the preview pod. So, uh, you know, we'll just leave it at that. But I do have to slip it in. Storylines of the uh, first half of the season, uh, Mark. What uh, what's got your attention the most here? Um, probably the one that we all got wrong: the Milan debacle. I think we could call it. I think we all had them. Pushing for a Champions League spot, where they're sitting on the table, like um, league spot, more losses than wins. Gattuso as coach, financial fair play, voluntary thing rejected. Man, I don't know. As Milan fans, where <laughs> you go, that's been the complete opposite to what I thought. Yeah, 
new teams take time to gel, but not fall apart. Not fall apart. And Gattuso and is following a few of the patterns that um, Montella did with the constant plan of Cassie and Kalinich when you can see especially Kalinich woefully out of form. You know, they've got Andre Silva sitting on the bench game in, game out. When he comes on, he looks sharp, he makes an impression. Yep. I just I just don't know where they're gonna go. And obviously the the monetary situation made a change today as well. So I think that's the only story of the first half of the season that's overshadowed everything to be honest yeah definitely uh definitely agree with that it is one of, it is certainly the biggest stories i don't think anybody uh could have predicted milan to be sitting in 11th montella being out of the job uh reno gattuso being the manager did you guys uh hear and i don't know when he said it but he said it recently i think gattuso had said in a recent presser that he's the worst manager in Serie A. I didn't hear that i didn't hear that yeah i, I think, think i don't think I'm so sorry. Say that again, Blair. I was going to say I don't. I don't disagree with him. No, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with him either. I, I tried to. I tried to uh, be an eternal optimist about th- his appointment uh, a few weeks ago and tried to lay out why it could work. And uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 I don't know if this uh, th- this win over Inter is a turning point uh, in in the Coppa Italia. If it's a turning point or if it's a band aid. Mm-hmm. Um. You I was know, say, he beat Inter, kind of so he can't be that bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's, it's something at least for us to have a little happiness about. So he's better than the Benevento manager. Picture, definitely. Yeah, when you, but when you look at the big picture, it's certainly not pretty. Well, I don't know if he's better than a Benevento manager. He went there with, uh, he went there with uh, three points uh, until uh, he let the goal until he let the goalkeeper score to uh, yeah. to drop yeah. two points. So yeah, you know, don't know if he's better than Deserbi. So, uh, so, so we'll see about that. Uh, yeah, Richard, uh, give us a give us a big storyline here from uh, the first half of the season. Um, I'm gonna go Sebio De Francesco. He's done better than I thought, and better better than most people thought. Um, I wanted to say Milan, but uh, you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick away from that for now. That's a hot mess right there. Um, De Francesco has stabilized Roma, uh, has given them a backbone, a spine, if you will. Um, and look what just look what they did in Champions League. They beat Chelsea in Champions League, and they won their, they won their group. I mean, other than Frank, how many people predicted that? Not many. Maybe just Roma fans, and maybe that's a maybe. Um, yeah, what what he's doing there? Um, I thought that Roma would have a fallback this season, and they're they're strongly in in contention for definitely Champions League spot, uh, if not higher, depending on how hot they get. Um, they had their little blip, I guess, um, or maybe they, I don't even. Yeah, they had the blip early in the season, but now they they've been firing on all cylinders. Um, so I'm just curious to see if they can keep that up. Uh, but I like what tactically what Di Francesco brings to Roma, and I'm curious uh, as a as a team progresses in Champions League, um, and then how Serie A season progresses, how he's going to adjust to that. They don't have to worry about Coppa Italia anymore, so maybe that's a little bit better for them rotation wise. But uh, kudos to Di Francesco and Roma for sure. Yeah, uh, certainly seem more astute tactically. Uh, with Di Francesco, as you touched on and Blair's touched on here, as, as far as Di Francesco's performance is concerned, and uh, yeah, I think they've exceeded, they've really exceeded expectations, winning the Champions League group moment, and uh, um, you know, we can nitpick a little bit. Where's the win against the big boys? Because they did lose to Inter, they did lose to Napoli, and they did lose to Juventus. You know, but uh, overall, very very impressive first half uh, for the Gialrossi. 
Uh, Blair, how about you? What, uh, you know, Milan and Roma aside, is there anything else that uh, stuck out for you here in the first half of the season? Yeah, um, what's sort of it, it's one of those sort of surprises that um, you maybe don't see coming. But Atalanta, I think, have been really quietly doing very well in Europe, which uh, isn't something I necessarily thought they were going to do when I saw the group they got in the Europa League. They got Everton and they got Lyon, and you looked at all the spending that Everton were doing, and you looked at the quality that Lyon have, and you thought, well, this could be a really tricky group. And then they ended up winning the group undefeated, beat Everton five-one away. Was it three-nil at home? Um, so I think at the start of the season, they sold a few of their best players. And after fourth place last season, you sort of thought that might be a flash in the pan. And they've actually, yeah. you could argue, they've, they've, they've just gotten even better this season. The only difference this season is, of course, the top teams are stronger than they were. But Atalanta is still seventh yeah. in the league and they're going strong in Europe. So that's, I think that's a really, you know, it's maybe not as, as massive as, as Milan, uh, Milan's situation right now. But um, it's, it's a really good sort of feel-good story that just keeps on going. Yeah, definitely agree with that. They've uh, now that the group phase is over with the Europa League, and that doesn't show up again until February. They're on a they're in a real position to just start making a run and put their focus on the league until the Europa League resumes, uh, and 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 really be a menace here for the rest of these teams that are trying to buy uh, for a European place. I like all three of those. Those are the three that I had, and now I have to fit. Now I have to come up with a fourth. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, and it, 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 it obviously took a managerial change, but I'm going to go with Udinese. Uh, yeah. the, uh, the rebirth of them under Massimo Odo. It's, uh, Massimo Odo's not a bad manager. He had nothing to work with at Pescara. Uh, and now he has got a pool of players that I think are just, a, you know, have proven to be a very snug fit uh, for what Odo likes to do. And uh, you turn some heads when you go to the San Siro and you had to enter their first defeat of the season. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and doing so rather emphatically, they won 3-1. Uh, you know, Jakob Yankto, uh, Rodrigo De Paul, uh, you know, uh, Otto with his qualities and with the things that he likes to do, getting his hands on this kind of young talent. Uh, we're seeing a bit of a rebirth for them. Um, you know, they could be, if they can keep it up and if they can keep everybody in January, um, which I don't see why they shouldn't. I think the January transfer window is stupid. Uh, but uh, he he could Udinese have every right to uh, to, to be in the running for a, a European place, especially when you consider how Milana performed. Uh, you know Fiorentina looked like they're also back in the ascendancy, being ahead of schedule under Pioli. Um, you know that's another they're another one to watch out for, but they still have their slip ups uh, along the way. So uh, you know in Sampdoria. You know, Richard and I have been kicking around the idea that maybe they peaked since beating Juventus. Uh, you know, so there are some uh, – it's not like anybody in 6th, 7th, 8th kind of sitting in those spots just ahead of Udinese uh, can, uh, you know, sustain what they're doing or, or, or kick on. They're, they're, just as, they're just as much there for the taking as, as they are capable of, uh, of finishing in the top six. So, uh, you know, if Otto keeps this up and he can hang on to everybody, Udinese's in, in this with a shout, uh, you know, to, you know, to grab sixth and really, you know, ruin a season like, like some, like Atalanta, like Milan, like Sampdoria. So uh, going to be a team that to me is going to be very interesting to watch in the second half of the season when you, when you look at some of the recent results. So I just think, you know, I think what you guys have brought up are certainly the three big pieces, um, you know, but uh you know, and then I'll also throw in a shout, uh, Napoli's performance at the moment in Serie A being top of the table and being winter champions. And, and Juventus uh, 
hanging in there, you know, had to reshuffle the pack, had to go through some issues. Uh, but they're back to, uh, they're back to doing that thing where they don't let anybody score. And, uh, in, in recent games, they shut out Barcelona, they shut out Inter, uh, and they shut out Roma. Um, you know, teams that I would consider to be, uh, rather prolific attacks. So those are just some storylines, uh, there from the first half of the season. Uh, if you're listening to this, want to throw in a storyline, go ahead at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, we're going to hand out some, uh, we're going to hand out some awards, some excellent, some dubious. Here we go. That's the beauty of midseason, guys. We can talk about uh, awards. We can hand out uh, uh, we can hand out midseason awards, and we can have some debate. That's why I kind of like a pod like this. So, um, and we're going to jump in with an update to our squadra finora, our uh, team of the season. Is as you, if, if you've been listening long enough, we this before we land on our final team of the season at the end. Uh, after all 38 match weeks have been played, uh, we have made three changes. Uh, to the squadra finora from when we uh, first released it at the beginning of November. Uh, we are still in a 4-3-3, uh, and the goalkeeper position has not changed, and that is, uh, so Alison of Roma remains our goalkeeper in the squadra finora. Richard, uh, are we right here? Yes. Um, he's he's helped stabilize Roma. I mean, what, you know, Wojciech Chesney was, was decent last year for them, but... Um, He's brought a stability to them that he's gave them confidence back there. I mean, look at the game that the recent game against Juventus as 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 a marker. Um, yes, they lost that game and gave it one goal, but he had seven saves in that game. Um, big saves. They could have been blown out in that game if if not for him. Um, he's only allowed seven goals in the season, which is which is crazy, you know, to think because Roma last year gave up a lot more goals than that. Um, but he's he's come back there. Uh, he's really come out of nowhere almost, it seems like. Um, his distribution is is very good. Um, he marshals that back line as good as anybody can. And uh, he, especially on the on the corners and set pieces, he's aggressive and he goes after that ball. Um, I wish, you know, more goaltenders would go after the ball like he does. And, you know, um, he's such a big presence in that in that box. And he it, when he's a one-on-one with a, with a player, I mean, a player... They see this massive goal and they can't do anything about it. So I think we're, we're spot on with this choice here. Yeah, he's had an he has had an excellent season. Uh, honorable mention, uh, our honorable mention for Thomas Rakoja of Lazio. Yeah, a name I hadn't really sort of heard of before this season. But again, he's one of these modern goalkeepers. His distribution is excellent. He, I mean, a couple of decent, really good penalty saves this season as well. Another goalkeeper, just you want him behind you. He, he installs confidence, and we all know what that means. Communication with the goalkeeper in your back four or three or five is he, integral now. And yeah, that's a real good show. But for me, Allison is a good head, not head and shoulders, but a head above. Yeah. Very much. Uh- very much agree with that. Uh, Alison of Roma is our goalkeeper in the squadra finora. Uh, let's move to the defenders of back four with our right back. Uh, the uh, first edition, we had Danilo D'Ambrosio. Uh, we are making a change. And the right back now is Bartosz Berezinski of Sampdoria Blair. Tell us about Berezinski and why he overtakes D'Ambrosio at this point. I think he offers a little bit more going forward than Dan Brosio as a player. And 
I think if you've watched if you've watched Sam's away this season, you know, there's there's a lot of players that are perhaps more eye catching than Berezinski. You know, Prey and Terreira being two of them in midfield, Qualiwella up front. But I mean he's he's been very solid. Um he makes a good few tackles. I think he's one of the top tacklers in his team. Um he also gets down the right flank a lot, provides a lot in terms of an attacking sort of an attacking outlet down the right hand side. He's a decent dribbler. So he's not perhaps the most eye-catching player, but he is a very solid right-back. He's had a really good, consistent first half of the season. Yeah. Um, I, I He's, again, a, a quiet performer, as you say, a steady performer, uh, you know, and, and certainly is, uh, certainly has proven himself in a, in a Sampdoria side that has had to, uh, had to reshuffle as well. And it's gotten off to a very hard stop. Hot start. Tailed off a little bit here. Um, uh, you know, in recent weeks, as we've been saying, but, uh, you know, certainly uh, Berezinski's efforts, uh, you know, shouldn't be ignored. Uh, Richard, uh, I, I hate going back to the Lazio. Well, I'm starting to have this closet crush on Lazio, but uh, <laughs> another, guy that, another guy that we bandied uh, about was Adam Marusic, uh, who's, you know, in, a, in that 3-5-2, he's more of a wing back, but uh, he's been he's been outstanding for Lazio and it's kind of been... Uh, under the radar when you think about some of the other names, uh, a couple of them we're going to get to. Yeah, um, he, he has a, he's, he's pretty solid defensively. He, he can get up in the attack. Um, he helps link that midfield to the forwards and, get, and feeds those, uh, those forwards, uh, you know, Immobile, Luis Alberto, and uh, Milikovic Savic and stuff. So um, it's good to have a guy like him on the wing because he's got, he's got pace. He can cross the ball. Um, and his passing is very is, is a way above average. Um, so uh, he's a good honorable mention for uh, for Lazio for sure. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to the first center back. We are making a change here in the first edition. It was Milan Skriniar of Inter. We are taking him out for now, uh, and we are putting in Giorgio Chiellini of Juventus. Mark, I said earlier, Juventus is doing that thing where they're not letting anybody score. Uh, you put Rugani next to him, you put Benatia next to him, you put Asimo on the left, you put Alexandro on the left, you put Licksteiner on the right, you put Cecilio on the right. Big deal. Chiellini, uh, or Buffon or Chesney in goal. Chiellini's been the constant in uh, Juventus's recent run. Yeah, an upturn in form. Uh, and like you said, been in the league there's been five con- consecutive clean sheets. I know he's only played in three of the games, but the games were Napoli in uh, and Roma. No goals conceded. Yep. Now he's back to his imperial best. There was a couple of standout tackles in the Napoli game. We just think, whoa, he's back. Seems to have got over the injury problems that sort of plagued him a bit last year, as it does when you, I can vaguely remember hitting the early 30s. You know, <laughs> injuries start cropping up on one thing and another. But he's, with the rotation with Regani and Benatia in there as well, there's an option to take him out of the games, which they did against Bologna and Crotone and just give him a break, bring him back in for the big games. And he has been a standout performer in the last six to eight games. And I say it's no coincidence that hmm. Juventus have found some sort of defensive solidity with his upturn and form. Yes, he has. Yes, indeed. Um, and, and uh, you know, a, you know, a constant, and we always kind of thought it was, you know, we always kind of thought it was Gigi Buffon, but obviously Chesney has been uh, between the, you know, between the sticks here, games and with what Juventus is doing, as we've been saying, he's the constant and and he's back to his he, he's getting back to his best, uh, and uh, that's starting to turn some heads. Joining Giorgio Chiellini in the center of our squadrinor Finor defense is a regular Kalidou Kulibali of Napoli. Richard, uh, this is a no-brainer. 
Yeah, he's, uh, in my opinion, the best defender in Syria um, at the moment. I mean, the way he's able to shut down top scorers uh, from the opposition week in, week out um, on a consistent basis. I mean, this guy does everything. Since Really, since he came back from Africa Cup of Nations last January, he's been in, on a, uh, how many months is that, 12-month uh, torrid run of defense where just shutting people down left and right. I mean, he, we saw last season, early this season, what, he's done, what he did to Icardi, Immobile, Belotti, um, Dybala, Iguain. I mean, whoever, you, whoever, whoever faces against him, um, he seems to shut him down. Um, it, it, for, for a little while, it seemed like he was shutting down his own player, Hamsik, for a little bit because that guy couldn't score either, but now he's back to scoring. So, Kadu uh, Koulibaly <laughs> does everything. Um, he's uh, he's an all-around defender, and he's the only he's the only tall player amongst midgets on the Napoli team. So, um, uh, great player. I wish I wish he was on my team, and every, I'm sure everyone else would say the same thing about him. So, absolutely. And and Blair um, Skriniar takes a backseat to Chiellini uh, in our center back pairing this time around. Is that a little harsh on Skriniar? Or is it just a matter of Chiellini and Koulibaly have just been that good recently? No, I've got no major complaints with Kilini or Kulabali being in there. To be honest, Finio's had a had a really surprisingly impressive first season at Inter. So I think a part of that is sort of it, he's gone beyond expectations. But Kilini and Kulabali have, have sort of also gone beyond expectations, which were already very high. So I think it's uh, it's fair that they're in ahead of him. Excellent. Yeah, certainly certainly agree there. So that's our centre back pairing, Kilini and Kulabali. Moving over to the left back, uh, returning. Uh, again is Alexander Kolarov of Roma. Uh, Mark, there's just, uh, you know, the, the strange thing to me is there's really no competition at left back right now. And Kolarov has just kind of put a stranglehold on this position at the moment, hasn't he? Uh, completely. It's been a, a great sign. And considering um, his, his last previous stint in Italy and where it was, he seems to have settled in at Roma perfectly. I can't remember which game it was, but um, everything for a fullback, everything was going through him to try and create something. And that to me speaks volumes about how important he is to the team already. You know, he's he, for, for someone in their early 30s, he's still physically able to get up and down. His, his passing's great, his ball retention's excellent. There, there's no one. In Syria, I can touch him in that position at the minute. Richard, I'm going to give you 15 seconds to come up with somebody who should be in the, in the discussion at left back. It's, you would think it would be Alexandro, but he's not to be found anywhere. So, I mean, there's really nobody even close. So, And it's not Matteo De, De Sheglio, I'll tell you that. Well, he plays, over on the, he plays over on the right anyway. So. I know. <laughs> And it just—it's an indictment. It's, this is also an indictment on what a disappointment uh, Ricardo Rodriguez has been for Milan up to this point. Because when when Milan signed him, everybody thought, "Okay, we, Milan have their left back," um, and um, he's maybe been average at best. Uh, so uh, you know, so uh, so Alexander Kolarov clearly uh, in command as our left back here uh, in the squadra finora. Moving into the midfield, and uh, we are taking out Miralem Pjanic. Uh, and we are replacing him with Alan of Napoli. Uh, Blair, you got all this wonderful passing, all this wonderful technique. Alan is the ball winner, and you know what? I think he was he found out before rec- before recording because he had an assist today against Crotone. So I think he he got a hint that he was going to be put in this team, and he wanted to prove us right a little bit. But tell us <laughs> tell us about tell us about Alan and uh, the reason for his inclusion now. 
Well, I think um, one thing that's always frustrated me with Napoli is the rotations. Um, you know, some managers rotate quite intelligently. Napoli, I don't think, do. And, and one thing they tend to do is they bring Zielinski and Diawara into midfield for really, really important matches. And I, th- I think they did it against Man City away this season. I might be wrong. Pretty sure yeah. they did. Um, yeah. yeah. They, so in the first half an hour, surprise, surprise, they just completely and totally overrun. Um, I think they brought on Alan in the second half at some point, but anyway, it was, it was far too late by then. But the, the point is, when they play Alan, they're just a better team. They've got more balance. It's like you say, every, everybody else in that team is an exceptional passer, um, technically incredible, very good in tight spaces. Alan it sort of is all those things as well, but in a different way. You know, he's not you know a master of control. He's not going to sort of um, beat players necessarily just for skill, but you know, he's got that that stamina and that strength. He's able to use his body really well to get past players. Um, he's, you know, so he's still very good technically in his own way, but he bring he also brings that sort of that that hard run in, that ability to break the lines with it, with a run off the ball, and that energy in the field tackling. I think a few seasons ago he was one of the top tacklers in Serie A. I think he probably still is right now. I haven't checked the stats, but I'm pretty sure he'll be up there. So he brings a bit of bite to midfield, which they really really need, especially in those big games. Now that's a great shout about uh, about uh, the uh, the first Champions League game against Manchester City because. That did change things to an extent uh, when he was brought on as a substitute because without him in there, uh, Napoli were ripped to bits. And uh, and uh, his inclusion all of a sudden, that started to galvanize things in the midfield. Napoli started to take a little bit more control in that game despite the fact it was a little bit too late when it uh, when it came to the actual score. Uh, but, yeah, he, is, he has been very crucial to um, – uh, you know, to what Napoli like to do, uh, no doubt about it. So uh, he has earned his place uh, here in the uh, latest squad of Pinota. Uh, our second midfielder returns, uh, and that is Lucas Torreira of Sampdoria. Richard? Yes, Frank? Again, 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 Sampdoria having a little bit of a slip, but, uh, you know, Torreira has been steady, uh, you know, throughout this uh, throughout this whole season. Yeah, he's... Um... For my money, he is one of the one of the standout performers of the season thus far for what he's doing with with uh, Sampdoria. Sure, you got the likes of uh, Quagliarella leading the line and getting goals in there, but really this guy is pulling all the strings. Um, he he plays so well defensively and offensively. He's got a great free kick. His his price tag is just going through the roof right now, and if or if it's not, it should be. Uh, it should be somewhere around hundred million dollars, hundred million euros right now. Um, this guy does it all and. For such a young player to be so mature, I mean, there's only one other player I can think of who will be mentioned here in a second, uh, who can who can equal him at this moment. And um, every team right now is kicking themselves for not trying to pick this guy up last year, because uh, now there's going to be no chance that you're going to be able to pay, afford this guy unless uh, their crazy um, uh, owner Ferrero uh, changes his mind. But I don't know. They're, they're, Tamdoria, the way they're the way they're performing this season, all I think most of it. A lot of it has to be accredited to the play of Torreira. Um, he's helped to solidify that midfield and 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 help this uh, help that attack and the young players uh, do what they're doing right now. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and rounding out that three-man midfield is uh, is a returning player, Sergei Milinkovic Savic of Lazio. And uh, you know, to, to Richard's point, and we said this a few weeks ago uh, when somebody asked the question and we'll, we'll address who we think the young player of the season is so far halfway through the season. When we hand out some awards, uh, we'll all have our opinion about that. Uh, Richard and I said a few weeks ago, flip a coin between Torreira and Milinkovic-Savic because they've both been exceptional for their clubs. Um, and with Milinkovic-Savic, you have, you have a pretty complete attacking package for such a young player. I mean, it speaks a lot when, uh, 
stories are already being reported that PSG want to stump up 170 million euros for the guy. Um, you know, the passing, he can score, uh, he can create, uh, and he can do a little bit of ball winning too. Uh, just and plays he's with tall. A, and he's tall. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's tall. He plays with a ton of energy. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, we said, all right, Lucas Biglia gone, uh, Keita Balde gone. There's, you know, Felipe Anderson injured. There are some holes to fill at Lazio, and this man has stepped up admirably, and is, he's caught the attention of the big clubs, as I mentioned. So, Mark, um, you know, are we harsh here on Pjanic, uh, or are there some other, you know, midfielders that might have deserved a shout? Um, I don't think you're harsh on Pjanic. I think these three have been exceptional and are fundamental to the team. Yeah. Um, as you could argue, Pjanic has a big influence. Would you say it's fundamental? I'm not too sure. I think you could make a show for Jorginho as well, beside Alan, one of the the most consistent passes in Europe for the last season and a half, two seasons. But I think these three are head and shoulders above any of the competition. So that midfield again is Alan of Napoli, Lucas Torreira of Sampdoria, and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic of Lazio. Let's move on to the wingers and... uh, uh, the same wingers that we had in our first edition of the Squadra Finora. Uh, so Luis Alberto of Lazio makes a return. Blair, uh, the, uh, the, the the man who has been really the creative spark in uh, Felipe Anderson's absence. And now that Felipe Anderson's back, you know, Luis Alberto still has his role. Uh, says a lot about what he's done this season so far. Definitely, definitely. I think um, he, he provides something really unique. I think Anderson at points over the last few seasons has been sort of stationed at wing-back at times under Inzaghi and Marisic, as we said, has taken that role really well. And Alberto was providing something behind him all below that I don't think any of those other players, maybe maybe Milinkovic-Savic could do that role. I think he's done it before. But Luis Alberto has just come on so, so much over the last six, seven months. It's ridiculous. He's getting, a, he's getting Spain caps, He's called up to the Spain squad recently. I mean, this is a guy who wasn't even getting a game for Lazio last season, so it, his improvement has been phenomenal. And then yeah. I think it's all down. I think he said he had a uh, he was finding it tough, and he had a he hired a mental coach last January, um, similar sort of thing that Leonardo Bonucci did over you know, when he was at Juventus and starting out and find it. And you know, seven eight months later, he's he's a key player and a title challenger, and he's in the Spain squad and he's got in cap for Spain. So it's a massive turnaround and. Uh, yeah, he's, he's such a unique player. He's so much fun to watch as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I know uh, a striker like Chiro Immobile uh, certainly likes having him uh, around <laughs> and getting the service from him. So makes it easy to score goals when you got somebody supplying to you like a like a Luis Alberto. Um, you know, the other winger, uh, I'll take this one, Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli. Yeah, he had an injury. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, he had an injury. Um, yeah, he... Uh, had, had been out for some of these games since we did the last installment, but I think his absence shows you why he's in this squad, if you know it, because as he left, you know, you watch those Napoli games and where was that invention and where was some of that, uh, you, you know, ability to unlock defenses in the, uh, in, in the, in the final third. Uh, you know, they tried to patch it with Zielinski, who does some decent things. You know, Hamshik played, uh, you know, in Insigne's role, I think, for, for a little while as well. They 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 work with a couple of other players, but uh, the reality is they can't do what Insigne does. Um, you know, so he's in this, uh, you know, just as much for his absence uh, and the impact that that had on Napoli for the short while that he was out. Now, of course, uh, Coppa Italia game against Udinese. He comes on as a substitute in a 0-0 game, scores a goal. Uh, tells you the story. Um, 
you know, relatively influential tonight against Crotone. Uh, you know, so uh, and uh, the uh, a, a martyr <laughs> in the in Italy's failed uh, World Cup bid. Unfortunately, is that an accurate thing to say about him? A martyr? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably I can't I can't think of a better description. Um, you know, uh, a, a martyr to uh, Giampiero Ventura's stubbornness. Let's just call it that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, Richard uh, Wingers, because Serie A's loaded with them. I mean, we could we could pick a lot of people in these spots: Iago Falcon, Torino, yeah, uh, Diego Diego Perotti of Roma, Stefan El Sharawi has been having a nice run here. Tibala uh, is not really a winger, but you could mention him, I guess. Quadrado, we've been mentioning. So, you know, Mertens. real quickly on the wingers. Yeah, real, well, he's playing more. He's still continuing to play as a as a nine. Um, but, but real quickly on the real real quickly on the wingers here in Serie A, uh, before we get to our striker and how hard it was to retain uh, Luis Alberto and Lorenzo Insigne. Yeah, I mean, the, the impact that those two players make on their teams is the reason why we picked them because. Um, there's so many good wingers in this league, Callejon, um, Iago Falque, and, and the other guys that you mentioned. But Luis, Luis Alberto has, has literally been pulling the strings. I mean, him with him and Milinkovic Savic have been pulling the strings for for uh, for Lazio. And, and Luis Alberto really came out of nowhere this season too. We kind of saw those Milinkovic Savic coming in, but Luis Alberto came out of nowhere. And to do what he's doing to keep Felipe Anderson in the starting lineup, um, that that says that says something there because Felipe Anderson was in our lineup all last year. Um, and then you look at uh, Callejon also. He's, he's doing very well, but Insigne is playing. This is his best year probably by, by far. Um, just what he can do with the ball this year. He seems to have full control of the, of the ball and possession. He's getting assists. He's getting goals. Um, and it showed when he went out with injury how, how important he was because the team struggled. That's when they went in their dip. Um, now that he's back, the team has been back back to full strength. So, um, there's like I said, there's so many good wingers in this league, but those two players we could not leave out just just for the sheer impact they had on their teams. Absolutely, uh, yeah, they've been they've been the best of a very talented pack of wingers that uh, Serie A has to offer. And finally, our striker, we are making a change. It was Chiro Immobile. Round we are replacing him with Moro Icardi of Inter. Mark uh, Icardi is back to it's back to as. Uh, uh, as Icardi goes, Inter goes. Yeah, with that, Doug, 17 goals this season, exactly 50% of what Inter have already scored. Charts, and as you say, Inter are so reliant on them. When he doesn't play, the options there are compared to Icardi are laughable. Adair, they've got a couple of good youngsters, but obviously nowhere near the, the quality of Icardi. And he seems to have, you know, that. The rumours of the Real Madrid transfer, and he's like, no, I'm happy here, yeah, I want to stay here, which is like the first sensible thing he said in about two years. Especially <laughs> <laughs> after the debacle with the book last year. But, yeah, it's a top three side in Serie A, and 50% of the team's goals says it all. I mean, Immobile's having a cracking season, but you know, I think he's still eclipsed by Icardi. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to throw in another another stat on top of that one um, that Marx has put out there, which is relating to shot accuracy, which I thought you guys might find interesting because across Europe's major five leagues, okay, so you've got Harry Kane, fifty four percent, 
for the shots by the target. Uh, Luis Suarez, 63%. Ronaldo, 42%. Lewandowski, 55%. Cavani, 63%. Um, Immobilizer, 63% as well. Higuain's a 57%. Icardi hits the target with 75% of his shots. Wow. Wow. <laughs> How crazy is that? That's, that's ridiculous. That's insane. Uh, you know, another top, another thought, and let me, let, let, tell me what you guys think about this with Icardi, because there was that link to Real Madrid. And um, we have, there, there's a soccer, there's a, there's a soccer radio station here in the States. And I called in and, you know, and, and, and gave my take that I didn't think Icardi at Real Madrid would work because when you look at how Inter are set up under Spalletti, okay. And you look at how Real Madrid are currently set up where you've got, you know, Ronaldo uh, operating from the left most of the time and wanting to cut in. And then you've got Bale on the right wanting to cut in. And then sometimes it's Isco up there. Icardi and Inter, the setup for him is that he gets to make any run in that penalty area that he wants. Because Perisic, you would think he would like to cut in and go on his right foot, but he stays wide. And you know Kondreva's going to just stay wide and bomb away crosses. So Icardi has just about any run in the box he wants to make. He wouldn't have that at Real Madrid, and it would take a lot of adapting for him uh, you know, to, to have the same rate of success that uh, – uh, that he, and I don't even think he would have the same rate of success that he would have at Inter. What do you guys think? I don't know if it's physically possible for two eagles the size of Icardi and Ronaldo to actually fit in the same dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the other thing. <laughs> that's just the other thing. And I think the four of us all predicted Icardi to be Capocannonieri, didn't, didn't we? I know I did. Oh, y- yes. Okay. And, and, and Laura's not here, so we can make fun of her Dries Mertens pick now. <laughs> Laura, hi, Laura. Laura, hi, Laura. We want to get you on soon. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I think that was it. Icardi, I think, had like a hat trick in the first game of the season or something like that. And Laura just went to Twitter right away and said, well, my Mertens pick for Capocannonieri is working great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, or yep. something, something to that effect. So, uh, Blair, uh, you know, we talked about Immobile, and uh, Gonzalo Higuain's been a bit of a big game hunter, having two against Milan, uh, scoring against Napoli, and he's he's making his presence in some of these big games, and uh, you know, you know, making a difference. Uh, I mean, it's a talent rich, uh, it's a talent rich position again. Uh, you know, just a, a thought on a couple of these other strikers and, and their performances as well. Yeah, I mean, Immobile, Higuain have been have been good. I've actually been more impressed with Higuain this season than I think I was last season. He's yep. starting to shoulder more of a more more responsibility atop Juve's attack. Um, obviously, Jekyll was the the main man last season. He's he's sort of fallen off a little bit, which is perhaps down to the system rather than of uh, decline. But no, Icardi's just been you know he's far and away the best striker in a, in a league rich with with top strikers. Yep, indeed, De- definitely. And I think with Higuain, I think uh, they they put it they built in a clause in his contract a free steak dinner with every goal he scores, so or an extra <laughs> or an extra steak or or something like that. Uh, so all the makes sense. Fans will be after you. Yeah. What's that? What's that, Mark? I said all the U fans will be after you. I've, I've seen, I've seen the what else is What else is new? <laughs> Uh, so that's our squad, the Finola. Let's jump into Crap on the Cracker 11. Uh, we've revived this. I mean, this, this, this team stinks so much we don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but we like to just uh, point out the players that we, that, that we think are failing. And our condition for – you can't – it's not like, okay, you transferred somewhere and you're not getting a game, so you make this team. No, you had to have played. 
um, you had to have proven you're awful. Um, you know, and, and, and I think everyone in this team has had at least 15 appearances, whether starting or whether coming off the substitutes bench, and they've all been terrible. Uh, so I'm just going to go through this lineup and I'll get everybody's comments and, uh, you know, and thoughts on it. Uh, it's a 4-3-3 as well. The goalkeeper is Alex Cordaz of Crotone. That's harsh. He had a nice game tonight against Napoli. He had seven saves. One out of 17. One out of, one out of, one out of, one good game out of 17. I think he heard we were putting him back in and he said, no, no, I'll show you. So, uh, but back four, Alejandro Rossi of Genoa, Alessandro Gambarini of Chievo. Sorry, Richard. Uh, Federico Ceccarini of Crotone and Gaetano Letizia of Benevento. Uh, Three-man midfield, Danilo Cataldi. I think he finds his way back in this team for the second straight time of Benevento. Uh, Andrea Poli of Bologna and Arthur Ionita of Cagliari with the front three. Uh, Marco Borriello of Spal, Nicola Kalinic of Milan, and Diego Falcinelli of Sassuolo. Uh, Blair... In Marco Borriello's case, it has been a little bit of a lack of appearances. I think there's some games where he's been coming on as a substitute, failure to score, but it's it's never good when you're going to go out and have a spat with uh, with the ultras uh, on top of it when you're struggling, right? No, that's not advisable. I don't think, particularly in Italy, uh, it's yeah, it's sort of the one thing you should not do. Um, the fact that Icardi has even had a run in with his own fans, and you look at how good he is and how consistent he is and how important he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Marco Borriello can sort of go around doing that spell. So, no, it's yeah. uh, a pretty bad indictment of. And sticking to forwards, uh, Mark uh, Kalinic, he's 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 now to Milan what uh, maybe Manolo Gabbiadini might have been to Napoli last season in the first half of the season when Milik went down. And it was you know Gabbiadini's job as the striker to earn, and he just fell flat on his face. You know, we're 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 seeing we're seeing this from Kalinic, but we're seeing this to to a to a much higher degree, aren't we? And to a much higher level as well. You know, this sometimes he's just wandering around the pitch. He's just not interested. It's, yeah. Either two series player on the wing, or one of them. Normally, Kese is having to do his pressing for him. He's got opportunities where he's just fluffed. I mean. One against Juventus where he hit the bar from, I mean, a hit Buffon, but there was no way that should have been anywhere near him. A quality striker. You know, for someone who apparently forced this move through himself and they spent 20 million euros on him, and you've got, you know, the youngster, uh, Andre Silva, like you mentioned, sitting on the bench, itching to get on. And I don't know, he must have some. some Really incriminating photographs of Gattuso and Montella because he still keep getting games, and that is no. beyond me. How absolutely beyond me. He's been woeful. Well, he's been in, he's injured now, so he can't get the game at Fiorentina. So I'll be interested to see what uh, oh, Gattuso's excuse will be. He'll still sorry? start him. He'll still start him. He'll still start him. You think? Oh yeah, I'm sure he will. He'll probably play better, wouldn't they? Oh, that wouldn't that be wouldn't wouldn't that be uh, wouldn't that be poetic? Uh, <laughs> can't win can't win with a multi-million dollar goalkeeper so we put in his scrubby older brother and he wins the derby and then <laughs> and then we uh we bring the 19 year old substitute off the bench to win the game so there that's that's typical of milan at this point i think um richard um you know the uh andrea poli he works hard but he just isn't very good anymore 
No, no. I mean, when when he first when he first came over to Milan, there was a lot of promise with him. Um, but he he never lived up to that promise, and 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 he's the potential is not going to be there anymore. He's it's just, it's just a downward decline for this guy. Um, it, he's trying his best. I'll give him that. He, he, but still, his his best is not is not good enough. Um, he needs to go down to uh, Serie B. Maybe he needs to get transferred to Benevento so he can go to Serie B next year. Maybe uh, he'll do better there. And Blair, one quick one. Gaetano Letizia, um, uh, when we were exchanging our messages on selecting this team, you you mentioned you you mentioned you kind of like him. Uh, Are we harsh on him? Uh, well, I, I haven't seen him. Maybe I haven't been paying enough attention. I've seen the wrong games. Maybe I've seen him play that one. That, that, that. Maybe I've seen him play those two good games he's had this season. But I don't know. He, he seems to work quite hard. Um, I think he gets down the right flank quite well. Um I know he's maybe 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 you guys got it right. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I quite like him. I quite like him. Okay, that's a, that's fair. I mean, and uh, I, I wanted Gigi Donnarumma as our goalkeeper uh, for this team, but uh, you guys all talked me out of that and said put Cordaz back in. So <laughs> it's just the game that he had against Lazio. Oh, that game on its own would have got him in the team for the rest of the season. We can all agree on we can all agree on this for the goalkeeper though. Brignoli of Benevento, no matter how many goals he concedes the rest of the season, he's never going to get on this team. He gets a pass. He gets a pass. Yeah, yeah, he has got a pass. He has got a pass for the rest of his life. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, who stunk for you, and who do you think should have been on this team? Go to at Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram, or give us your thoughts on who you think we might have snubbed for the squadra finora. Now let's head out some awards. <laughs> All right, we've got a quick collection of uh, mid-season awards uh, that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to have everybody get a chance to hand out from what they've seen through the uh, first, well, almost 19 match weeks of the Serie A season. Uh, uh, we're just a hair over 18. We're, we're as of as of recording, the uh, only Crotone Napoli is the only game of match week 19 that's been played. Uh, and we'll start with the best summer transfer through mid-season. I have a feeling this might be unanimous, but I, I but I'm going to give everybody their chance. Um, and uh, I might end up being wrong. Blair, we'll start with you. Um, well, I'm actually kind of split, but the one I'm going to go with is Milan Squinier. Um We sort of talked about him earlier on. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with Squinier. Um, good shot, good shot. I think, Very good uh, shot. Yeah, he's... Go he's ahead. on the back, we were talking about Van Dijk. I think we mentioned Van Dijk um, in, in sort of the pre the pre-chat here and, uh, and how much he's going for to Liverpool. Skinner only costs £20.7 million according to transfer yep. markets. That's yep. pretty good value when you consider his age, when you consider his talent. Um, and he's the, the most important thing I think hasn't just been his, his defender, and he's really attentive defender, but also the way Spalletti likes to play. That Inter really, really needed somebody in central defence who can actually pass. Yes. Um, and they haven't had that for a while. You know, had the Monocchio and Mario and Miranda, and, and none of these guys are really good enough on the ball, but Spinio has provided that, which is really important. He's their best yeah. defender they've had in years. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I agree with that uh, for sure. Um, Inter has really had a problem trying to shore up that defense, and uh, Spinio has really solidified things. That's a great shot. Uh, Mark, how about you? Best summer transfer through midseason? Yeah, someone who we had in the score of Fignora is... Uh, Alexander Kolarov, 5 million euros. Like I said, his influence on the team, both defensively and surprisingly in the attack of the third. I think he's just, you know, like we said, there's no left back in the division that can come anywhere near him. And I think for that price, you know, 
great bit of business for Roma. Absolutely. That's actually the one that I thought would be unanimous. But Richard, I'll give you uh, I'll give you a chance here. Who's uh, who's who's been the best summer signing for you? Well, I'm torn between Lucas Bilia and Nikola Kalinic, but um, no, um, <laughs> no, I, I agree with Mark. Um, it, it, it to me is a toss up between Skriniar and, and Alexander Kolarov, but I'm gonna go with Kolarov sheer for the just for the price and what he's what he's meant to Roma. Um, he's been so big in the big games uh, is where you want the players to be you know, their best. Um, and and like Blair was saying earlier that. There's some games that all the bo- all the ball comes through him to set up the plays, so uh, that shows how important he is. And he doesn't look any bit of 32 years old. He looks like he's he's younger than ever, and uh, he's just so mature for his age. And he's getting things done: scoring, passing, uh, defending, um, leadership on the pitch. This guy is doing it all right now for for Roma. And so, not only is not only is one of the best transfers of the summer of the year, but um, also players of the year too, because just because what he's doing. So. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go, Alexander Kolarov as well, um, for all of the reasons you guys did. And I, yeah, the, the Skinner has an excellent shout, um, and and would be a close second for me for all of those reasons. So, um, I, some honorable mentions: Josip uh, Ilicic to Atalanta yep. for a steal, yep. and uh, really starting to show uh, his worth to the side. And I think in the second half of the season, he's going to be one to watch. Uh, and uh, he, uh, how about a shout for uh, Jordan Vera too of Fiorentina, uh, kind of being tasked with doing the set pieces, taking the corners, and uh, uh, you know doing some stuff from the attacking midfield. And uh, he's starting to uh, prove to be a worthy asset in Stefano Pioli's project as they're as they're starting to uh, uh, you know work their way into the ascendancy. Um, you know, two that I thought uh, deserved some uh, honorable mention as far as uh, as far as new signings uh, from the summer. Uh, best goal through midseason. Uh, Mark, what was the uh, best goal through the first half of the season for you? Uh, Lucas Torreira's free kick against Kiev. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going through YouTube, and every time I see that goal, I think, how? And the goalkeeper should get there, but doesn't. And you can't even blame the goalkeeper. That was just an absolute immense free kick. And that's, to me... It's been the standout goal through the first half of the season. I'll probably take some beating for the rest of the season, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was uh, definitely uh, definitely one of the highlights. Uh, and uh, sh- certainly shows you that he is uh, far more than a box-to-box midfielder. Uh, Richard, uh, goal of the goal uh, goal through mid best goal through mid season. I'm gonna give you a top three, really. Um, Chiesa in week six against Atalanta had a beautiful play where he just like outshook the defense and then placed it perfectly. Um, and number two, I got Perisic in week three. Uh, hit a volley out of midair where off a corner kick, I believe, and just rocketed in the top corner. Um, but the goal, the goal of the season so far up to me actually happened in week two. It was a uh, Ilgalo Andrea Bellotti against Sassuolo with a, off a um, a crossing from. I feel I feel like it was a uh, uh, Di Silvestri and, uh, and yep. it was a bicycle bicycle kick out of midair one time. Oh, it was such a beautiful shot to happen so early in the season. For me, that's that's goal of the year right now. Yeah, I'm with you. That's actually my goal of the season. Belotti's uh, overhead kick, and I mean, how precise! First of all, how high he got. He got above that defender's shoulder, um, and uh, how precise and and and. I mean, that ball was close enough to the defender, too. So how precise everything had to be for that to work. And I had concluded right after. I don't think there's – I, I the, the, the Torreira free kick, Mark, that will give – that does give this a run for its money. 
Uh, but for me, I, I, the, the, goal, the goal of the season was already concluded after match week two. Uh, I've, I've, I've had a hard time being talked off that ledge, although the, uh, the Toledo free kick was impressive as well. Uh, Blair, for you, how about your, uh, your, your best goal through midseason? Well, they're all great shouts. Um, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. I think I've, there's two that really stood out to me, and they're not necessarily just about technique. But the, 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 what, the one was Brignoli, Alberto Brignoli's header against Milan. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Just for the sheer comic book, sort of ridiculous last-minute <laughs> nature of it. <laughs> um, and I just I hope Gutiso doesn't listen to this podcast and, and hears me <laughs> say say uh, um, the one that I'm going to go with is Hamsix uh, 116th goal for Napoli. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. That was uh, that was we we were waiting a long time for it, weren't we? We were. And it felt like maybe maybe it's not going to happen. You know, he's getting subbed out of a lot of games. He's not really having the same influence in the final third, and then he finally got it. And I think it was the match winner as well. So. Yep. I think not only does it give Hamsik a bit of a, you know, he doesn't need to think about that anymore. Also, uh, you know, Napoli um, can have their best sort of attacking field back to top form um, and they don't have to worry about feeding him to get his 116th goal. So I think it could be a weight off their shoulders too. So for symbolism, I'm going to give it to Hamsik. Okay. Uh, and, and no problem with either of those too. Um, you know, and, and, and just for good measure, Hamsik scored his 117th tonight. So Yeah, he scored uh, three games three games in a row now. So he's a... Uh... It's a big weight off his shoulders there for sure, and I'm glad he finally got it. No sign of slowing down whatsoever. Uh, so all excellent shouts. So uh, be interesting to see what people think. Uh, it was their best goal through midseason. There through the midseason, uh, Richard. Let's start with you. Best young player. Oh, uh, it's a tie between. Well, you know what? I'm gonna go Sergei Milinkovic Savic on this one. Um, the fact that you know losing Lucas Bilia, we all thought that you know they're gonna struggle, and he's kind of jumped up and, and took over that team there, um, along with, you know, Lisa, Luis Alberto and, and, and Immobile. But uh, Milinkovic-Savic, for me, just slightly ahead of Torreira. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go with Milinkovic-Savic as well as the uh, uh, best young player in Serie A at the moment. By a hair over Lucas Torreira. Uh, and honorable mention to Federico Chiesa of Fiorentina. Uh, those would be my three. But uh, certainly, uh, certainly Milinkovic-Savic ahead of the pack in my book. Uh, Blair, uh, your best young player through midseason. I know it's not uh, Gaudino. No, no, it's not Gavi. I would have wanted it to be Gavi, <laughs> but unfortunately, it's not. Um, I'm actually going to go with Brian Cristante because I think he's yeah. finally starting to fulfil that potential that so many of us saw in him at a young age. Um, and it looks like, yeah, I mean, much to our heartbreak as Milanisti, it looks like he's finally going to be a, a top-class player. And there's rumours yeah. that he's sniffing around him. He's he's sort of the, he's not the player I thought he would be. You know I mean, he, he's developing into a real threat in the final third. He gets forward, makes good runs, sort of beyond the defensive line, scores a lot of goals, and he's a very hard-working defensively as well. He takes up good positions defensively, so I'm really impressed with him. And he's only I think he's still only 22, so he's, there's still a lot of future there for him to, to fulfil his potential. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that's another great shout, Cristante. Certainly having a Certainly having a great season as Atalanta is making a resurgence uh, up the table in Serie A. Uh, Mark, you can round this out here. But your your best young player through midseason. Yeah, I'm going to go with Lucas Torreira because I think we saw glimpses of quality from Milinkovic Savage to know that he was a top quality player. But Torreira seemed to come out of nowhere and I wouldn't say 100% carrying Sam because obviously they got some quality and quite rare up front as well, getting some goals. But to me, he's just just because of the breakout nature of this season, I'm just going to pick Lucas Torreira. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all great shouts. So we've got Milinkovic Savic, we've got um, uh, Lucas Torreira, and um, this is what happens when you don't have a lot of sleep. Blair, what was yours again? <laughs> <laughs> Mine was Brian Cristante. Brian Cristante, that's right. I, I think it's this is selective. I think it's I think it's uh, selective retention because he's not with Milan anymore, and now he's doing yeah. it at another club. So. And all these young Milan, all these young ex-Milan players. You can throw Patania that makes it at Atalanta and Simone Verdi yeah. over at Bologna. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a shame that uh, you know the the previous regime couldn't figure out how to pay these guys and keep them part of the fold. Uh, just kept wanting to go out and sign washups and try to convince us that they had a good team. Uh, but anyway, that's for another pod. Uh, so those are all great shouts. They're best young player through midseason, and uh, now on to best manager. I'll go first with this. Uh, I. For me, it's it's a clear one. It's Eusebio Di Francesco of Roma, um, having them fourth, uh, you know, in Serie A, having them win a Champions League group that had Chelsea and Atlético Madrid in it. Uh, he has uh, proven just about everybody wrong, and uh, this is a Serie A is blessed to not only have a, a title race, not only have you know very good you know a very good handful of teams. Uh, but also some very good managers and some very good young managers on the rise. And uh, right now, for me, uh, Di Francesco is the pick of them. Um, I, now that I've said that, Blair, where are you going for your best manager? I'm, I'm with you on, on Di Francesco, Frank. Um, I think all of the stuff you said about him, you know, he, he's got them into the top four. He's got them into a title race, top of the Champions League group, a very tough Champions League group. Um, he's made Roma look like a sort of strangely solid unit, hasn't he? I mean, Roma, even under Spalletti, and Spalletti's a great coach, they always seem very, very fallible, and you always thought, well, they could concede a goal, and they could throw away a lead, yeah. and they could self-combust. But Di Francesco's, I mean, they've conceded few, the fewest goals in Serie A, behind Juve, behind Napoli, great defensive teams. So that's really impressive. Um, it's also worth mentioning that he's done that whilst... Roma actually didn't spend any money in the summer. They made a profit in the transfer market of £25 million. Pounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you look at the fact Milan spent 160, they spent 20 odd, Inter spent 20 odd. You know, that's that's pretty impressive. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's as you, and you mentioned at the top of the pod, the tandem of him and Monkey have uh, certainly turned some heads and have proved, proven a lot of people wrong. Mark. Mm. Uh, Oh, sorry, I was the color of signing of the season award. I mean, I wonder how many times Roma are going to win that award on this podcast now that Monkey's in charge. Yep, yeah, and uh, he'll he'll continue to work his wonders as the uh, um, bright future at Roma, especially with uh, uh, with the stadium as with the stadium now starting to kind of uh, come into view as well. So, uh, Mark, your best manager through the first half of the season. Yeah, I'm making it a whitewash for all the reasons you just said. You know, Pier Francesco, I thought was taking a step too far, too, too early, considering uh, what Spalletti had done there as well. But, yeah, he's proved everyone wrong. And I think there are great times ahead for him, like we said, with Monkey there and the stadium coming, you know, the scout network that Monkey brings and the connections. Yeah, the, and like you said, the a solidity, a little bit of steel about him that's was missing last year. I know a lot of distraction with the Totti retirement sort of turned a few heads away probably from the primary objective of playing football. But yeah, to me, he's he's the standout manager of the season so far. Absolutely. Richard, is this unanimous? 
It was until you guys started making your pitch, and then I decided to switch it. Um, EDF is having a, a fantastic uh, effect on Roma for sure. I'm going to go out of left field here. I'm going to go with John Piero Gasparini with what he's doing with Atalanta. Um, the fact that last year, uh, you know, they did so well last year, but then they had coupled that with Europa League this season. How would they? How would they? How would they react with uh, the vultures coming for their players? Um, and he's he, he finished the top of the group in Europa League. Uh, they're they're showing like they're really interested in that race. They're now back in the Serie A race. They're looking. They're back in the uh, Europa League spot or very close to it. Um, and so the, the way he's got these young players, young team playing, um, Gomez is still playing well. Patania is still doing well. Brian Cristanti is having an excellent season um, for all that, all those reasons. Um, and even with Caldara supposed to be leaving, you know he's got him playing well. And Toloi is doing really. Barisha is having a fantastic season. So. All this comes down to Jean-Pierre Gasparini and his effect on the team to still believe, even when uh, they have the, you know the fixtures sort of piling up, or even with Coppa Italia, um, it's just been doing tremendous work for for Atalanta and and they started slow, but they're they're kind of like Juventus are coming back in. They're not Juventus obviously, but uh, he's got this team coming back up the table now. So um, that's that's who I'm going to go with. Okay, that's uh, and and there's no there's no problem with that uh, for me either. So. Um... You know, they're like I said, excellent managers: Simone Inzaghi, Luciano Spalletti. Uh, you can even the two, the two at the top, Maurizio Sarri and Max Allegri, both uh, doing a great job. And Marco Giampaolo uh, at Sampdoria. There has been some very good managerial efforts here. Uh, and now, uh, you know, Odo with what he's doing at Udinese, and uh, dare we say Giuseppe Iacchini ends here at Sassuolo, uh, slowly yeah, getting slowly. slowly getting that turned around. So. Uh, you know that they're they're a little bit further from uh, Di Francesco and Gasparini's accomplishments, but certainly can't go ignored. Um, you know, with what they've done here in the early going in their tenures there. Uh, and let's finish it off. Best player uh, through the midseason. Blair, we'll start with you. I'm gonna go with Icardi. Um, we've sort of already touched on. It's they're pretty frightening. Um, you know, I don't know how many goals exactly scored this season, but it's a lot. Uh, and he's also got this ability to turn up in big matches as well, which we sort of, you know, you might criticise Dybala for. You know, Bacardi turns up in every single big match. You know, I remember the, the Derby della Maddalena, um, the first one of the season in the league, when Inter won 3-2 and Bacardi scored a hat-trick. Um, I mean, it, I don't even think he was really that involved in the game. I don't even think Inter played that well. And he scored three goals and they won. And that was pretty much surprised by the tail off Inter have had recently because they have it has felt to me like they're a little bit Icardi centric you know they really need him to score goals and perform well and they really need to get him good service but he's, he's just been fantastic um, you, know, you know throughout this season so if he keeps on playing that well Inter will be in the title race for sure hmm. uh, Icardi's an excellent shot obviously for all the reasons that have been discussed Mark how about you you're uh, your best player yeah, I've, we talked about him earlier I'm going to complete opposite end of the field I'm going to go with Kaladu Koulibaly I just think nice. ev every single game I see him there's just something you've seen an improvement on the, the passing the defending his positional play we discussed it earlier under Benitez he looks completely lost under Sari I would argue that he's come probably one, one of the best defenders in the world not just a defender but a ball playing defender which two years ago I would have never have thought. And again, tonight in the match against Crotone, there was a couple of passes there that, you know, a playmaker midfielder would have been proud of. So, yeah, that's that's my player of the 
season so far. Yeah. Um, I mean, he just, he, he's everything right now to that team and how they're set up. Uh, you know, so there's uh, certainly, uh, you know, certainly no disputing uh, that one either. If you want to go the defensive route, Richard, your player of the season. Oh man. I mean, Koulibaly is a good shout. Icardi is a good shout with his 17 goals. Um, the two youngsters we've been gloating about all podcasts are good shout, but I'm gonna go with a player who plays on one of those teams, um, who's a teammate of his. So Sergey Malikovic Savage is having a fantastic season, but the the goals that are coming through are coming through Immobile. It seems like 16 goals, seven assists. Um, if he's not scoring it, he's setting up Luis Alberto. He's setting up Luis uh, uh, Sergey Malikovic Savage, uh, Felipe Anderson, whoever. Um, Immobile is got his hand in every goal. It seems like and. Um, it's 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 remarkable really because you know he he did play so well with torino and then when he went off and he had the struggles and everyone thought he was washed up came back you know and inzaghi's really turned him back to his old form and and, and even better than so because last year he had a fantastic season and he's following up this campaign was just as just as good so for me thus far uh what immobile has done uh has really uh taken stock with me yeah i uh uh that's uh that, that's an interesting i am going to go with Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli. Um, I mean, he was a, he was very influential in Napoli's ability to light things up. Uh, you know, in the opening part of the season, he goes down with the injury. Napoli didn't look the same without him. Starting to get their, uh, their way back in a little bit here. Uh, you know, so for me, uh, the best player has been Lorenzo Insigne. So um, we have, uh, you know, four players, actually three players that were in the, uh, that were in this edition of Squadra Genora and one that was in the first edition. So, uh, pretty consistent, pretty good stuff. Um, but those are our, uh, you know, best players. Blair with Moro Icardi, Mark with Kalidou Koulibaly, Richard with Chiro Immobile, and I have um, Lorenzo Insigne. So who has been your best player through the first half of the season? Go to at Serie Sit Down on Twitter. Give everybody a chance to have one hot take for the second half of the season. And this could be anything uh, just as far as, you know, Italian teams in Serie A are concerned. Uh, it could be what they did in Europe. It could be players. It could be this. could be that. So, Blair, uh, a hot take for the second half of the season that could uh, get the attention of our listeners. I'm going to go with Milan not making the top ten in Serie A. Um, I put out a Twitter poll a few weeks ago about this, and there was—I think it was actually the, the, this, a slight majority of people agreed with me that, that Milan won't get in the top ten. And the reason I'm saying that is because you touched on it earlier on, Frank. Udinese have hit form; um, they won four in a row now, and Odo was is really getting them firing on all cylinders. The top four are solidified: Lazio solidified beneath them, Sampdoria, Atalanta, Fiorentina. All look pretty strong, and uh, you know you could argue they'll only get better as the season goes on. And Torino, you know, are also looking pretty tough. Um, so there's no guarantee in the way Man are playing at the moment. Gattuso just doesn't seem qualified. Concerns off the pitch. It's it's a real mess at the moment, and I could I wouldn't be surprised if they finished outside the top ten. And after all the, the improvement of Montello in last season, wouldn't that be just heartbreaking to see them see you know see Milan go back to where they were before you know under Inzaghi and uh, and Seedorf. Indeed, indeed, that's a that's a good shout. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it happened. They're eleventh right now. So, uh, mm. Mark, how about you? One hot take for the second half of the season. I'm going to be really, really predictable, and I'm going to say that Napoli will finally break the Turin domination of 
being Skeleto champions. I, I know there's a lot of concerns about the rotational policy of Sari and one thing and another, but I just have a feeling. They seem to be, like tonight, it's, I think again game against Sampdoria, they're going to grind. They can grind results out now. So, yeah, that's very, very predictable, unfortunately, but that is my hot take for the second half of the season. All right. All right. I, I, uh, I, I like it. Um, I, I think that it can happen too. I mean, I did predict Juventus to win it again, so um, we, we shall see. Richard, uh, hot take for the second half of the season. Ooh, oh, I was going to go with the Milan one, but Blair beat me to it. Um, I'm going to say Kievo rally to get to the top six. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, but you know close. Want I want to, but I'm not going. Without Roberto, in, we're about without Roberto Inglesi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm going to say Udinese squeezes into Europa League spot. Oh, and it's not out of the question given their current form. It's just, just you know, we 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 spoke tough teams of in front of them. Tough teams yep. in front of them, but yep. I think you know, we're going to pull one out. Yep, we speak highly of them. That's a very good take. I'm going to my my take is not necessarily going to be Serie A related, although it will relate to a Serie A team, and that is Roma. Uh, you heard it here first. Roma will reach the semifinal of the UEFA Champions League this year. Wow. Um, there's, well, there's always, you know, it's always three of the big boys, and there's that one that, okay, what are you doing here? You know, last year it was maybe Monaco, even though Monaco are a pretty good team. Um, you know, you had Juve, you had, uh, you know, Real Madrid, and you had Atletico Madrid. So you had some main, you know, a bit of mainstays. Even when Juve made the final against Barcelona, there was Barca, uh, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, and everyone was looking at Juve like, what are you doing here? Um, so, uh, you know, I think Schalke, Richard, made the semifinal. Yep, yep. Um, they beat Inter you know, that year. <laughs> yep, a few a few seasons ago. Uh, I think that was the year that um, – I want to say that was the year that, uh, that Barcelona um, beat Manchester United in 2009. Uh, yes. So there's always kind of a, a, a sleeper team that gets the favorable draw – they open up with Shakhtar there in the round of 16. And if they get that, you know, results go their way and they get to that last eight and they get the they get the favorable draw, there's no reason why, you know, given what Di Francesco has proven so far through the first half of the season, uh, that he is comfortable taking on multiple competitions, that Roma could be a semifinal team in the UEFA Champions League. So I will bang the drum for Italian football again. I did say that Juventus would win the Champions League last season. I was close for a half. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, let's take a shot again. And I'm I, my hot take is Roma is going to reach the semifinal of the UEFA Champions League. So, your hot take for the second half of the season: go to Serie A, sit down on Twitter or Instagram, and that's going to put a bow on this mid-season review of the Serie A. Sit down. Time for a little bit of closing and some shameless plugs. Uh, Blair, uh, if you want them to find you on social media, you can offer where you can be found, and also what's. Uh, you get you touched a little bit on the gentleman ultra. Any any pieces that we can look forward to uh, fire away? Yeah, so one of the pieces that we've got coming up on Gentleman Ultra is a piece on Mario Balotelli, um, who I think is one of the most interesting characters in football today. Um, I think it's 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 something that a lot of people will resonate with. It's something I think a lot of people will enjoy reading um, if you're sort of sympathetic towards Balotelli like I am. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of Twitter, follow me on Twitter at the Blaineyman. Excellent, excellent. And Mark, how about you? Yeah, um, I have a piece in the pipeline for John Mulder concerning the classic 
Matthew influence amongst football clubs, which only happened last season. So keep an eye on for that and how it affects not just the football team, but the local community in general. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Neil, N-E-A-L-E underscore Mark, where you can catch some, quite a lot of useless banter, to be fair. <laughs> we always like useless banter. That's what Twitter's <laughs> for. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Richard, how about yourself? Uh, you can find me at our underscore Carmen, K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Um, I'm going to probably try to get a couple articles out for uh, World Football Index and uh, the AC Milan offside. Um, but also, you know, if you're into Bundesliga, you know, please uh, follow me at SO4 underscore podcast. I got the Schalke podcast there. So uh, please do follow that if you're interested in Bundesliga. Oh, absolutely. Give that uh, give that a listen, especially if you don't like Serie A. I'm going to keep picking you. Pick. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep doing that to you. So, Twisting my words. Uh, <laughs> no, that's what you said. <laughs> so, um, uh, You can find me at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Uh, my blog is The Calcio Consultant. You can find that on worldfootballindex.com. Uh, you can also go to uh, – I'll, I'll, I'll have something written up in the new year. I've kind of taken a hiatus over the holidays. Uh, uh, from the blog, but I will have uh, uh, something written up in the new year for you to look forward to. And, uh, uh, go to worldfootballindex.com. There's plenty of podcasts, plenty of uh, informational pieces for you. Um, and uh, uh, like Richard says, if you don't like Serie A, there's, there's something else for you. But uh, <laughs> don't yeah, come back, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> after you just listen to this, after you just listen to us for about an hour and 20 minutes. So. <laughs> So that's going to do it for this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And as always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.